1: I don't care what they might say, we love Jesus anyway. So what is the use and benefit of spiritual gifts? That is what we are exploring this week on Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand. Join us.
0: Haiti, hey, could you worship and I I what they might say.
1: When it comes to spiritual gifts, there's an awful lot of controversy. There are those who would say the spiritual gifts have ceased, those who say they haven't. And then there's everything in between. But what does scripture give to us in regard to spiritual gifts? Why do we have them? To what end? Well, that is what we're looking at here today on Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand. Welcome to the program. We're looking at the discerning of spirits, found in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10, C. Also, different languages in the interpretation of those languages, found again in verse 10 of chapter 12 in 1 Corinthians. Join us there as we continue our look at spiritual gifts, the prophet of spiritual gifts, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Here's Pastor Jesse.
2: It is often within the framework of the family that we discover how mature or immature we are as believers. It is in the framework of our own ontological families where we discover how immature we are or how mature we are as believers. We can fool people at church, mama, but you can't fool your children. Your children. Your children will pick up on the fact that you are a sham. That you're a hypocrite, that you don't have the powers that you might exercise with your girlfriends and and folks in church. They'll pick up quickly that you are fraudulent in your assertion of being some great godly woman. They will. And dads, you don't have a chance if your children are the opposite sex. I'm speaking from experience now. And you go around making assertions and assumptions about qualitative gifts of the spirit operating through you. When over and over again, you will have missed the assignment. You will have gotten them wrong. All that means is by nature, you and I are still relatively blind to spiritual things. Secondarily, when we do operate out of the gifts of the spirit, here's what you know distinctly. You know that it was the spirit that gave you discernment to comprehend a thing, aright, And it wasn't you. See, the Bible makes it very plain. The natural man does not have the mind of the spirit. Spiritual things are foolishness to him. They are an aversion to him. He operates outside of the gifting of those qualities. Every believer does have the mind of Christ if you're truly born again, but that mind must be developed and the gift of discernment must be operating in a proper context for you to see it through. For instance, going back to Acts 16, where we were, do you remember how that Paul had to deal with the advancement of the gospel in the area of Philippi, where he was able to start a great ministry uh, with the women at the at the water. But as he's moving through in Acts chapter 13, start with me at verse nine in Acts 13. You'll notice how something occurs Then Saul is another example. But I want Acts 16. The same follow Paul. I need to go back to verse 15 because I want some of us to catch it. Now, some of y'all know this. And when she, that is Lydia, was baptized her in her house, she besought us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. This is Luke writing about how Lydia and a bunch of women who had been waiting on God at the river in Philippi, praying, met the apostle Paul, heard the preaching of the gospel, and her heart was opened to the revelation of God in Christ. Now, that's what salvation is. Salvation is God opening your heart to the reality of who Jesus is. That woman, Lydia, had never ever heard the whole message of the gospel. She was a proselyte. And like many of John the Baptist's disciples, they were waiting on Jesus to come. They didn't have the full message. Christ had come. He had died. He had been buried and he was risen again. And the apostles were called to take that message to the world. When Lydia heard about the risen reigning Lord Jesus, her heart was open. She did not open her own heart. God opened her heart. No man can open their their own heart. Only God can open your heart. God is the one that gives you salvation. You don't take salvation. God has to open your heart, raise you from the dead, open your eyes, cause you to see Jesus, cause you to fall in love with Jesus, and then grace you to say yes to Jesus. That's what happened to Lydia. And the subsequent fruit of that revelation, that saving revelation of Jesus was that she wanted them to stay at his house. Now, didn't we learn all through the Bible, the pattern of being born again is that when the agents of salvation come into your sphere and impact you with the gospel, you want to continue with them. We've seen it all through the Bible, that wherever the gospel comes in reality and in power and brings you into a saving knowledge of God, you don't want to depart. You want that fellowship. You want to draw near to God. More, more about Jesus is the way it goes when you're truly born again. And so Paul hung out with Lydia and her band for a while. And then we're told in verse 16, these words, and it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination, what? Met with us. Here is what we call the uh, relentless test of the devil. Wherever God is working, working through his servants to preach and to teach the gospel, the enemy must come along to see who is discerning and who is not. The devil is going to always go to church. He's been coming to church since the days of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were the first two members of the gospel church in the Garden of Eden. And the devil slipped in one day and had a conversation with Eve. And the whole world went awry. You meet the devil again in the book of Job where the sons of God gather around the throne room of God. Here comes the devil again. Wherever the sons of God are, here comes the devil. Why? Because he wants to usurp the authority of Christ. He is there to test us. First Corinthians chapter 11 verse 19 says heresies must be among you to discern those who really can see. So what's happening here is this woman is following them as they go down to the riverside to worship and to pray. And notice what she's doing, ladies and gentlemen, as they went, the spirit of divination met with us. This woman with a spirit of divination, which brought her masters much gain by what's the word? That's the same word attached to the appellation of Balaam. Balaam was a soothsayer. In other words, he was an imposter pretending to be a child of God, purporting to know God and to advance God's cause. Now, Watch this. There are lots of Christians who are undiscerning, who will receive and embrace anybody who will even use the word God. There, there are untold numbers of professing Christians who quickly sanctify folks and say they are saved simply because they use the name Jesus. And yet you and I know that devils use the name Jesus all the time. And so what we have in our text is an example of a test that's coming. Now, notice what verse 17 says. I want you to mark it. I'm getting ready to unpack the gift of discernment right here. Although we could use several examples. Here is one model of the gift of discernment. First of all, Paul initially put up with it. In other words, you don't run people out of the church because they come in not smelling like you or looking like you. You give them time to demonstrate whether or not they are there in peace or in war. To demonstrate whether or not people are seeking Jesus or seeking something for themselves. That's just the way it goes. You prove all things and then you hold fast to that which is good. You try the spirits whether they are of God or not. So that takes time. And so what we have in this account is that Paul allowed her to follow. And it says the same followed Paul and us who's talking Luke and cried saying, these men are the servants of the most high God which show unto us the way of salvation. Do you hear it? Do you hear it? But did you really hear it? Because if you don't really hear it, you don't see anything wrong with her literal words. These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. It sounds all so good, doesn't it? And it's the kind of language that gets undiscerning professors because it appears to laud God. But in reality, it's lauding men. And here's what's going on. You'll find that the Apostle Paul walks with her down to the river. This may have occurred on several occasions, but it finally got to a point where he was grieved. Now, what was he grieved about? He was grieved about her intemperate character. One of the things you learn about false prophets and false teachers is that they really don't have the fruit of the spirit. Now, the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and goodness and temperance and meekness and self-control. Qualities of the spirit of God essential to an affirmation as to whether or not you're walking with God. Qualities of the spirit of God essential to an affirmation as to whether or not you're walking with God. In other words, you will meet a lot of people who will purport to be super spiritual, but they they are almost always operating out of extremes emotionally. Are y'all hearing me? These are what we call pathologies. Often people are hoodwinked by people who have this kind of zeal and passion for God that exceeds the boundaries of what we would call temperance. And that might be viewed by undiscerning people as a zeal, but in reality, it's just a lack of control. Like there will be people who do not know the wisdom of sitting and merging and understanding how to actually navigate relationships and, and submission and, and structure and boundaries. No, the moment they come in, they're making all kind of noise. Some of y'all been to church long enough to know what I'm talking about. And then after a while, what you come to discover is... That's a particular kind of devil. In other words, the devil has patterns and he doesn't really have that many. If you know them, Paul said we should know his methods and we should know his wiles, his schemes. And once you begin to understand the the small cadre of ways in which he shows up, you can pick up quickly on a person who is intempered, a person who is basically a maverick. An individual whose whose personality is not rooted and grounded in the character of Christ. And you might think that that's okay, but if you do, you don't have the gift of discernment and you don't have the maturity that would mandate if anyone is going to actually purport to be a servant of God, he must bear forth the character of Christ. She must bear forth the character of Christ. And in this context, this woman is talking all the way. Have you ever met her? the one, always talking. (laughs) Always talking. May I say something to you ladies? You are not governed by the Spirit when you run off at the mouth all the time. You are not governed by the Spirit. If the only person that's talking is you, you're probably not governed by the Spirit. Do you hear me? The qualities of a godly woman are meek and quiet spirit. The qualities of a, a, a godly woman is a temperate spirit that knows when and when not to speak. The qualities of a mature woman is a kind of maturity that knows how to button her lip until someone asks her something. The qualities of a clamorous woman is that she's talking so loud you can hear her before you see her. That's what the proverb says. Do y'all know that? Yeah. It's a clamorous woman. And unfortunately, that the describes many of our women in our local churches where they haven't been taught how to walk in the qualities of the Spirit of God in the humility of Christ in the attitude of Christ. And it is an ignominious thing. That's an old English term that means it's something that's repulsive. When you find a so-called godly woman always running off at the mouth. You guys hear what I'm saying? It's a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's not even a good thing for men to be running off at the mouth all the time. They can be intemperate as well. And you begin to understand the zeal has now separated itself from the tempering of the spirit of the living God. But more to the point, what greed Paul was not so much that she was running off at the mouth all the time. That was bad enough. Look at what it says. And this did she how many days? Many days. Now, you see how patient Paul was? He put up with her, didn't he? And this she did for many days, but Paul being what? Grieved. You guys know that, that, that emotional offense that occurs? Grieved is when you are pained by the very thing that that individual is doing pain. That's what the Greek term literally means. It means to be pained in spirit. So when you hear somebody out of kilter, when you hear somebody talking or acting in a way that you know is not appropriate, it doesn't carry the propriety of the spirit of God. Now you are troubled. Paul was agitated inside. And you know, Paul, y'all know Paul, right? At some point he's going to say something. Now what he was doing, which is to the point that I want to make, was leaving room for others to do something. And yet nobody else did. And, and this is where we might take an applicational point here when it comes to bizarre people in the church. Most church folk will just put up with bizarre people. We just let them kind of have their way for a long time. No one will come close to them to try to put their arms around them to try to help them kind of temper themselves and understand what is appropriate in terms of language and, and, and character and presentation. They'll just kind of let let it go. In many cases, they won't know how to watch this now discern it. Because the concept of discernment is not merely just how I feel, because there will be a lot of persons with whom an individual like this that sticks out as a sore thumb will be attractive to people who have such major vacuums in their soul and needs to be affirmed. Weak souls, weak souls will gravitate to that individual who is serving as a pseudo light. In fact, that's why she's doing it, to draw people to herself in order to take them over to the hoodwink crypt that she's serving. Do you see it? And this happens in church all the time. There should have been a wise sister that grabbed her arm and let her hold back while the rest were making their way to the river and said, sister, I got to talk to you. I've been watching you for a few days and I think you have good intentions. I'm not real sure, but I want to let you know, have you noticed that you're the only one running off at the mouth? (laughs) Have you noticed that you're the only one talking? Have you noticed that not many people really are responding to you? They're kind of just ignoring you. See, that's called loving your sister, right? See, see, open rebuke is better than secret love. Isn't that what the proverb says? And then you grab her by the arm and rein her back and see whether or not she has the spirit of God. Because if she doesn't have the spirit of God, then watch this now. If you rebuke a fool, you're going to get a block to yourself. Now you're going to be in a fight with her. Now you know she's not governed by the spirit of God. But at least what you have done is serve the body of Christ. So frequently in our churches, people too, altogether too commonly allow the bizarre to go as if somehow it is endorsed by the spirit of God and it's not. So what Paul does is exhibit the gift of discernment. Watch this and I'll show you briefly why as we move on. Paul being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, whoa, what are you doing, Paul? Turn to the spirit. Now grammatically, you can understand this concept of turning to the spirit as turning to the person that's talking. The Bible will lay that out. When Paul, when John says in 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, try the spirits, whether they be of God, for there are many false prophets going out into the world. Whenever the word pneumaton is used in the context of spirit, it's not always talking about the non-corporal spirit. It's often talking about a person who is alleging to have a spiritual gift. Are you hearing me? It is often referring to the person who is alleging to be a pneumaticos, a spiritual person. So Paul will say, talk to the spirit, try the spirit, try their doctrine, try their teaching, examine their conduct. Because if their manner of life is not consistent with the character of Christ, and if their doctrine is bad, then you have tried that spirit and prove that it's not of God. Am I making some sense? And so here in this context, Paul being grieved, turned and said to the spirit. Now watch this. I command you in the name of what? Jesus Christ to come out of her. Now, what's very important to comprehend here is Paul is stepping out on faith based upon the gift of discernment, doing something that you and I ought never to do. Unless, of course, you know you have the gift of discernment. He speaks past the woman. To the power driving the woman because the gift of discernment means to get beyond what you see to what you don't see because what you don't see is what really is driving that predicament. In Greek grammar, and I don't want to bore you with it, the terminology here, as would be the case with Peter in Acts chapter 13, where he had Simon, the sorcerer, who was also trying to hoodwink the people of God, and he was trying to buy the Holy Ghost. This is in Acts chapter 8. He was trying to buy the Holy Ghost, and Peter discerned that he was in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. He says, I perceive that you are completely drenched in bitterness. And you are a complete slave to iniquity. Now, again, when you make that kind of judgment, you are holding an office of authority. Peter had that discernment on that day when nobody else in the region of Samaria did. They all thought he was some great man. Peter picked up on, on it called discernment. You guys understand what I'm saying? The idea of a discerning is being able to see past the facade to the source. It's being able to actually get past the appearance to the core problem at hand. And that requires God giving you understanding of what you're dealing with. This can be a long narrative around the presence of demons uh, in the world and in the body of Christ as well, and people's inability to discern demons or discern devils and discern unclean spirits as opposed to those who are holy and true. Don't get wrapped up in that, particularly if you're not gifted. Because all you'll be doing is condemning the righteous with the wicked. As a blind person, a saying to have authority and condemning people because you have some kind of self-made list of righteousness that does not comport with the gospel. Don't go around condemning people when you don't know what you're talking about. Do you guys follow what I'm getting at? The gift of discernment, however, will actually be such that if you are operating out of it, watch this now, you will simply tell the truth. It's called the word of knowledge. And that word of truth will penetrate that individual at such an accurate level that it will liberate you from them or them from it. That when a person has a a spirit of discernment, if they're called, if their assignment is to deal with it, they'll be able to speak into that situation accurately, biblically, with a word of knowledge that will either liberate us from them or them from it. So that freedom takes place either for the body of Christ from the infiltration of demonically controlled people or freedom takes place on the part of that individual who was controlled by a demon. In our context here, Paul is used to liberate her from the bondage of the demons. Are you guys with me? Whomsoever the son shall set free shall be what? Free indeed. Are you guys looking at the text? Right. And that work is not to be done in willy nilly form by anybody. Don't ever get caught up in all of that stuff. Let me share with you in our context how to understand why Paul was grieved. Why was he grieved with her words? Three fundamental realities. One is a blatant absence of Jesus Christ in her speech. A blatant. of Jesus Christ in her speech. Will you notice what she says? These men of God have come from the most high. Sounds good, doesn't it? But we live today presently with cults all over the place pretending to be children of the living God who despise the name of Jesus who despise the centrality of the cross, who despise the supremacy of the son of the living God and won't use his name in relationship to who he is, and that is the son of the living God, very God of very God, truly God and truly man, God with us, Emmanuel, Jehovah's representation visibly to the world. They won't talk like that because they don't see him that way. So they'll use other appellations or terms that are biblical, like surely the term Most High God is a biblical term. Are you hearing me? But it's not the term that saves. There is no other name given among men by which we must be saved but the name of Jesus Christ. God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. When I hear people making an aversion around who Jesus is, we know that we are at the crux of the problem. We're dealing with antichrist. Jesus said to his disciples, who do men say that I am? And then he said to them, who do you say that I am? And it was revealed to Peter, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter, God revealed that to you.
1: And this is Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan, the ministry of Grace Bible Church, right here in Hayward. Copies of the program are available either by calling us, asking for a CD, or simply going online and downloading a copy from our website. If you'd like to write to us, our address is 22. 768 Main Street, Hayward, California. The zip code is 94541. If you'd like to give us a call, you can reach out to us at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. As always, you're welcome to visit our website. As I mentioned a moment ago, we do have resource materials available through the site, including past sermons by Pastor Jessica Stan and easy to download for free. grace-bible.com Again, grace-bible.com Sunday services here at Grace Bible Church are at 11 a.m. with Sunday school at 10 a.m. Friday night Bible study at 8 p.m. And you can find directions and more information on our website, grace-bible.com or just give us a call, 510-886-9782. If you feel led to direct some of your financial resources to Way of Grace Ministries, we'd be more than happy to hear from you. If the broadcast is a blessing to you, and if you find real encouragement and growth in your walk with Christ, then get a hold of us and let us know. Reach out to us again at grace-bible.com, where you can give securely online, or simply call 510-886-9782. Come back and join us next time, won't you, as we'll continue our study through God's word that we might grow in grace and find ourselves by Jesus Christ through his spirit to the glory of God in his way of grace.